Hello, my name's Sam Breakgear and welcome to Brains Bike Back. This is the podcast where we focus on everything related to technology and psychology. You may have heard of the term digital nomad, a person who works remotely and travels the world. Sounds great, right? Well, there is more to this lifestyle than sitting beside a pool or a coffee shop with a laptop. To better understand what it's like to be a digital nomad, how they work and how they cope with no permanent routes or connections to a place, we'll be joined by two guests from this industry. My first guest has been a digital nomad since 2014 and is in charge of product sales and systems at vegready.com, a location independent company with team members scattered across the world, Andrew Alexander. My other guest is the founder and CEO of The Farm Soho, New York co-working spaces designed to nurture a community to promote organic collaboration between its members, Lucas Sayan. And for our side feature today, we have a new one called Computer Says LOL, where we focus on technology-related jokes and humor. In this episode, we'll be taking a listen to a 2001 comedian skit on how to work for an IT help desk, which will make you laugh. Disclosure, this episode includes a client of an Espacio portfolio company. Out of interest, where are you guys today? I am in Lima, Peru. Normal to Boulder, Colorado, but Lima for uh, until the end of the year, then Australia next year. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, Lucas? Uh, so, yeah, I'm in, I'm in New York right now, but uh, for, for market research purposes or, or, or due to skysc.com cheap tickets, I could end up anywhere in the world anytime that doesn't have any to-dos in New York. Uh, but right now, I've been like, like this, this year itself, I've, I've probably seen 15 countries. Nice. Awesome. That is an impressive amount. Before we get started, I think it would be great if we went into a little bit of background on both of yourselves and to understand your history working with the distributed teams kind of industry or, or digital nomad field and how you first became digital nomads and your experience within this industry in general and obviously the companies that you work for lucas would you be able to get started and then andrew please sure of course yeah so uh, so the company that i created called the farm the farm is a is a co-working space provider that's located in new york that's right now has three different individual buildings uh the initial farm was meant to capture the interest of early startup companies who were just kind of in the flirting stage of an idea or just at the marketing and prospecting to a, a digital nomad or old boutique agency who wants to park their little laptop uh, in, a, in an environment that helps them to create ideas and share and feel as if they belong to something that's just far greater than just their emails, right? So that's, that's farm was an initial idea to, to bring, we like to call it anonymity in public. So we want to be with other people, but when we're with other people, we get exceptionally distracted because they could ask us a question or we have an anticipation of being interrupted. So that really deviates you from what you need to do in your in your ghost mode, we like to call it, or laser focus time. So the farm gives you just that. You know, it, it, you go there, you know you're gonna get some work done, and then you're gonna you're gonna get it and in your laser laser focus mood with other people who intend to do exactly the same thing. So it cures loneliness, at the same time increases focus and productivity. So we, we use that and we expand it. So me, myself, I've been always a nomad. Now I've started my, my career with US military uh, at the age of 18. That's very nomadic. <laughs> you know, we, were, we, were kind of, we were kind of deployed around, shipped around. I, I got used to work living out of my bag. And, and you, you soon understand there's so much freedom not in the military, but so much freedom in, in, in the fact that you could just pick up and go. Not being space dependent really gives you that unlimited possibilities. Each person you meet, each place you go, you learn something new. Cure to loneliness, is, I think, is, is just be outspoken. Just whoever you meet, don't have judgments. You know, don't judge others. Don't, don't let yourself to be judged. Don't be afraid of judgment and just speak your mind and make new friends, you know, temporary or long term. 
that's soon to be revealed. So that's pretty much in a in a, in a lump sum. That's what we are as a farm, and that's my story. Thank you. And uh, Andrew, would you be able to do the same, please? Definitely, yeah. So back in 2013, I started building a digital app business, a magazine publishing app business, and that's grown from zero to 1.3 million readers. And once I start hitting my financial goals and passive income, that's when I quit my job in Scottsdale, Arizona. Then I began living my lifestyle of traveling as a solopreneur. So from Scottsdale to Boulder, Colorado, Seattle, I spent three months backpacking through Europe and currently I'm in South America. So primarily from 2014 to 2018, it was kind of answer the question about curing the loneliness was really Skype and Slack. So finding other digital nomad entrepreneurs where if I'm staying in one city for just like three months at a time, it's hard to build those deep connections. So through Skype, Slack and online channels, just finding other like-minded individuals and just talking back and forth about business, about lifestyle, things like that. So that really helps. Then it was early 2018 where I was kind of growing a shift in my career where I was making the money for my business, but I wasn't really having the impact on the world I wanted. So I became part of the startup team of Veg Ready, which is an online meal subscription service. And part of our vision is to source meals from four parts of the world, South America, Mediterranean, India, Southeast Asia. And then I flew down with the original concept creator, the founder of the company, where he's starting a startup accelerator and then pretty much uh, do the online marketing and we're sourcing our products here in Lima, Peru. For the first three months when people come on board, we are working remotely out of this office doing online marketing tasks. Then over time, we realized a lot of the people we attracted to our team want the freedom of the lifestyle. So one of our team members, he's in France right now. He rotates between France and London. I'm in Lima, Peru. One of our team members we recruited, she's in Connecticut. And then and I met a girlfriend here, so next year we're going to travel to Australia. So a lot of the experience we've been having lately is working through Slack, building a, a remote team where we have to stay interconnected while working from different parts of that world. So that's kind of my background and my experience up to this point. Awesome. I love your company, by the way. I mean, I, I only found out about them like for yourself, but as someone that loves food and I, I cook mostly veggie anyway. Yeah, it looks like you're you're onto some good stuff there. I think before we continue with the show, I think one thing that would be really good to cover is how would you define a digital nomad? Andrew, would you be able to um, explain to our listeners how you would define a digital nomad? I would say a digital nomad is anyone who's location independent. So myself, my first business, it's I could run it from a laptop anywhere in the world. So I could travel from city to city and any countries. Same thing with here. So your income is not attached to your location. So you sell books on Amazon, you have a Shopify store, or even if you work remotely for a company that allows you for work from home, so you're not tied to one office space. That seems pretty fair. You might be able to explain or help us with this a little bit, Lucas. And I'm sure you could too, Andrew. But what makes a co-working space more attractive than a traditional office space? Like, why would a digital nomad choose to go to a co-working space opposed to a traditional working space? No, thank you for asking. So initially, this culture was created out of coffee shops, right? So, hey, I quit my job and I can't work at home because my, my, my pajamas and, and my lifestyle is destroying the way I'm productive. And then so they, they picked up our laptops back in the days. We picked up our Trello or whatever task management that we had in our emails and our internet connection. And we started sitting at Starbucks or, or other nicer coffee shops that had a horrible background noise and a huge fallout due to the fact that we had to do conference calls over, over the coffee noise. And I was just kind of battling with that pause button and, and that mute button to make sure nobody really knows where we are. So uh, so that was the culture. But what is the co-working? You know, we still, we still have the coffee. Coffee is a big part of the culture. I know maybe it's not their barista root copy, but same design principle, but a conference room added to it, but a community and a larger space 
and a desk and internet. And now we took that coffee and we brought it to the second floor and it became co-working. So it actually an adaptation of what the culture was used to. We, we, didn't, we didn't create co-working and ask people to come. We've created the next phase of evolution of the lifestyle and we captured that. So that's what initial co-working was. Now it's completely has evolved into something else. And if you watch, you know, the news and that's a different story. But that was the initial idea. And we kept that identity at the farm as, as long as we can. Mm -hmm. I think you touched on um, community as well. That's one of the main things which really attracted me to doing this episode. Because for me, it seems like digital nomads, they are like lone wolves almost. Like in the sense of like their own definition. They just can travel freely. No strings attached. They're not tied to any place. And they just have an unparalleled level of freedom. But at the same time, from this kind of lifestyle, in a kind of juxtaposing way, these communities of all these individuals have come together. And it's like these uh, co-working spaces are an oasis of connections, I suppose, in a lifestyle which traditionally seems quite lonely almost. And that's, that's really nice. I really like the idea of that. There's one thing I really want to get your opinion on from both of you. I've never spent too much time in co-working space. I've maybe spent like now and then, but I've never really been fully digitally nomadic. I, I, beforehand I could be because I was a writer, but I prefer, I'm based in Medellin, Colombia and I love it here. I, I don't have much, of, I've done a lot of traveling and I'm kind of very happy here. So I'm kind of become very uh, anchored in this place. And I love the office where I work at. So I haven't had a great desire to just go out there. But when I have seen co-working spaces, they always seem so full of activity and people. And I remember seeing a number of blog posts that state that there are certain types of people that you'll always find in co-working spaces. Uh, one of them is uh, the good food addict. And I can imagine, Andrew, at your place, there's probably quite a few of them given your company. And like other ones, for example, like social media addict. Andrew, do you find that there are certain types of people or characteristics that you often find working in your co-working spaces or, or other co-working spaces? Well, for me so much, I don't have that much experience in co-working spaces because when I was working, say, out of Europe, I was doing a lot of Airbnbs and couch surfing and things like that and working out of hostels. And as Lucas said, like the distraction, the noise and everything was a big problem. So I worked out a few co-working spaces, but where I am, it's more of a live work situation where it's within one company here where we have the team members. We live upstairs. The office is downstairs. So naturally, just more related to your question, there's different, I guess, the personality types where people sometimes they retreat more to their rooms working on social media versus more social type of people. You're more like a family then since you live together. It's more like a family dynamic than a kind of co-working dynamic. Kind of like that because you get the deeper roots and you, I guess, unlike co-working spaces, you get to know people at a deeper level where like one person, he's always loving the cooking, other person doing yoga and you learn the subtle nuances about people. So it's a little bit different than co-working spaces and for building a larger company, it's it has its benefits because you really get to know how different people work, how different people function and like molding together. Sort of like in a relationship, the longer you get to know someone, the more you get to know their nuances. Working out of coffee shops or co-working spaces, a couple times I've did that. It's just you don't really appreciate the the benefits of what you see of other people's weaknesses, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I suppose, Lucas, you might be in a better position to answer that question. What type of characters do you see? Are there types of characters where you're like, oh, you've always got this one guy or there's this always this girl like this or this woman like that? So we're in New York. We brew a different kind of uh, entrepreneurs up here. And so it's, it's, it's mostly heads down, right? Heads down when you're seated. If somebody sits next to you, instead of saying hi to him, maybe you'll say hi to him. But if, if you want him to do something for you, you probably email it and put it in Yanadu and Trello and then and then move on. So even even the company, that's that's little less talking and more more typing so that's very quiet but when you go to the kitchen 
it's a whole different world. Uh, when you're at the kitchen, then we will, we'll put interactive items. We'll put uh, a marker and a, and a whiteboard. You'll see, you'll see just two individuals who, one an entrepreneur or, or one freelancer who's great at marketing, talking to another tech company that's trying to launch their product, and all of a sudden they get hired. So a lot of that happening in their kitchen in the ad hoc. We, we, we sometimes call it cooler value, like at the water cooler, all the gossip used to happen back in the day when people were incentivized to do gossip more than work. And nowadays, entrepreneurs in New York, they're all about like, hey, I got to get this next, next client. I got to get to the next level. I'm going to bring the revenue in. So that becomes an idea center while they're just grabbing their coffee. Another area that, that happens is where characters kind of differentiate from each other besides the heads down time is the happy hours. We bring into the happy hours. Yeah, you got you got your party animal. You know, you got your uh, you got your social media girl who's taking everybody's pictures and posting. Uh, and, and that's when the real characters come out. So I guess I guess a lot of people are living in duality these days, especially especially the high demand of tasks and, and rapid requirement of communication and distraction. If, if I was to say, there's, there's a lot of types depending on what time of the day you'll be talking about. <laughs> I'd love to be there for happy hour. That sounds fun. I mentioned this before the call. One of the major motivators for me to host this topic was from the subreddit Digital Nomads. How do you deal with loneliness as a digital nomad? And I see that coming up a lot. How can being a digital nomad impact a sense of loneliness? Or how does this lifestyle genuinely affect people's sense of loneliness? Andrew, yeah, if you want to start and then Lucas. Definitely. So before working with Advantage Ready, I did a lot of coaching. I'm an NLP practitioner. So I worked a lot with emotion, psychology, motivation, things like that. And one of the techniques I learned is, in, is EFT, an emotional freedom technique, mm. where let's say you're dealing with loneliness, for example, it's an emotion in your body. So if it builds up too much, it can become overwhelming. So one of the things I learned is just tapping on certain points of your body while focusing on the emotion, it releases it. So one of the big things that I dealt with, I guess, personally, because I spend a lot of time secluded working out of, say, Airbnbs or places I rented three months working by myself, learning techniques like that, that really helped deal with any psychological or emotional issues. So one is the emotional freedom technique. Another one is called timeline therapy. There's a book called uh, Theories of Personality, Timeline Therapy by Tad James. And things like that help deal with the psychological stuff on your own. It's a lot of self-help type of things. But in addition to that, for example, when I was traveling through Europe in 2016, instead of being secluded in apartments or in co-working spaces and going home at night, staying at hostels where a lot of people, you wake up in the morning, you go out, you have fun. It's kind of like a mini vacation between work. I experienced sitting in a hostel, people come up, you start talking, and you get to experience a life outside of work. So hostels are there. Then since moving to South America for the last 18 months, I met a girlfriend, and then we started dating, and she has plans on traveling with me back to the U.S. at the end of the year, Australia. So if you could find a relationship with someone who's like-minded, who travels with you, and that has been really helpful because it builds a deeper connection, someone you could always be with regardless of that. Then the last one is kind of the feeling of a home base, where I haven't been there in 18 months, but Boulder, Colorado, I've traveled there three times, and I have a small core group of friends there. So every time if I'm traveling too much and I want to go back, going to Boulder, I have my core group of friends, the deeper connections that that really helps kind of reset different things because it, it's a feeling of home. Mm -hmm. No, that's good advice. I understand that. I, even though I'm based out here in Medellin, I, I live here, I still always feel the need to go home at least once a year to the UK just for the sake of, I, I miss it and I do love my culture. Even though my life is here, I, I definitely need that exposure. 
to the UK and also to see my parents because it's a bit harsh on them just being like, all right, I'm off to go live a, a life abroad, bye. And then just like not come back. So sense of guilt there. Exactly. My, <laughs> yeah, sometimes my sister asks me like, will you ever come back? Because I've been gone for the last year and a half and uh-huh. come in, or flying back at the end of the year. But yeah, I understand how that is. And I guess the last thing I wrote down is unable to relate. Because when I first started the digital nomad lifestyle, a lot of my friends were traditional employees with an office space, not location independent. But the more I traveled and the more I got deeper in the culture, it's just finding people that you could relate to. So that, that's a big thing. And Lucas, you touched upon it earlier with like the mention of happy hours, but how do you feel that co-working spaces can help to reduce sensations of loneliness for digital nomads? You know, back before co-working spaces were a thing or even even freelancer was something not much more, more beyond than an architect, right? An architect was the old freelancer. What happened now? You know, we, we used to have jobs. We used to have a security. We used to get reimbursements and, and have health insurance and have office gossip and you know all those are being deteriorating that finite line what defined work is completely almost gone and especially with the younger generation what is co-working is doing and how is that how is that helping people out they give them a sense of belonging it's an identity you know home is a concept work is a concept not a matter of place I know we got the bricks, you know, we got the doors and we got the front desks and the parties and well, we do, do we have the parties sometimes. But when you bring individuals who have similar lifestyles and, and things in common, they belong to, let me, what, what do we belong to? We belong to the clubs of people who predominantly will use Mac, right? Predominantly will like to be free, predominantly will create value and predominantly be right, and more, more on the younger side. And we'll use a co-working space. When you put them in the same space, organically, they start attaching and, and becoming friends with each other. And, and we don't really reinforce this. We just provide the platform and they just walk the line. And we don't do any magic here. The magic is being done with the way the industry has been converted. Also, we just mentioned earlier, it was, it was a very good point, hostels. Hostels are a great place to find like-minded individuals as well. They have a lot in common. They're very open. Uh, uh, they're very talkative. That really cures loneliness. Cold living is awesome. You know, I, I really suggest... Anybody who's feeling very, very lonely, I mean, man, just just go to cold living. It'll, it'll change the way you look at life. That's how we cure it. it. Just put like-minded people next to each other and it just organically flourishes. Well, they certainly sound like conducive places for building those friendships, especially with like-minded people, and also getting work done because I suppose everyone's working on something similar or there's some overlap in uh, roles or jobs and um, lifestyles. But yeah. if people are listening to this podcast and they're thinking you know what that sounds actually no there's there's another thing i did want to ask you guys which i'm quite interested in before i ask my final question do you think that digital nomad lifestyle is something which someone learns how to do or do you think that's deeply entrenched in their personality like andrew would you say that like this would you say that most digital nomads that you've met personally you feel like this is in their nature like this is in their dna or is this something which they've learned and they've kind of like gradually like built up Uh, because i can imagine it it takes a certain kind of person that can tolerate or, or develop a thick skin to be so nomadic and like deal with like the loneliness that we've spoken about. Definitely a great question. Reflecting back on myself, I would say somewhat it's built into your DNA because growing up when I was in high school, I always wanted to be a police officer. And part of the reasons for that is because I wanted just like the freedom not to be chained to a desk. So I worked in law enforcement part-time as a volunteer firefighter, EMT, and just like Having that limited sense of mobility in my scope of reality back in my teenage years was, it was, okay, the freedom. Then after that, around 25 is when I got interested in entrepreneurship and I saw all these people living the digital nomad lifestyle, traveling the world. And 
and like opened up that freedom some more and expanded my theory of reality of what was possible for me. So deep down, I'd say like, if you have that experience for freedom, that really is what drives us to it. Um, and the part as far as, as far as developing this thick skin and being able to deal with it, I guess that kind of ties to the next question that you outlined. So I'll save that part for there. Awesome. And Lucas, how do you feel? Do you think it's a part of like digital nomads DNA or do you think it's something that they, they learn? Look, I mean, we come from a, we come from an evolutionary trace that we were hunter and gatherers, right? Where we gather a certain, theoretically, right? We, we gather a certain location on, on earth and we say, oh, all the resources are depleted. Let's go to the next one. And we live like that, you know, for, for a very, very long time. So it is implemented in our DNA. It is natural for you to see vast landscapes and travel through the, and walk to earth and not be stationary. I mean, you, you, you find me somebody who sits home and not leaves to navigate to earth during the day from his home to his coffee shop or to his girlfriend's house or whatever you're moving around. So that's an unnatural lifestyle. I mean, it, it creates depression and I'll be, I'll be very depressed personally. So I think, I think it's, it's in all of us. Also the feeling of safety, fear of certain matters and concepts in our lives pushes us to be more grounded into an area, to have roots and to have social connections with others. And that's the other end of the spectrum. When we are a community and when we have a support group of friends, we just feel safer. And as we feel safer, that kind of tickles another part of our, uh, our roots. So when you find both of those things together simultaneously, be able to satisfy the urge to see the earth and travel through and have other like-minded individuals with you and have these ad hoc support groups in these pockets of the world, uh, having these you know, co-living spaces and, and co-working spaces and maybe hostels and whatnot. And, and so you can have best of both worlds. And, and, and if you have a girlfriend, Oh, I mean, that's that's a big bonus, obviously. Not that I've been lucky on that part yet, but still hope. Get out that door. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe maybe not. You know, that's another. That's a, that's that's another podcast. Um, so so having that said, I think I think that's 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 perfect. As the world is becoming pretty templated, and more and more I see it, and there's an opportunity for for our business to grow globally. Uh, we're we're contemplating on that. We're going to be looking at the Russian uh, market because there's a lot of lot of tech surge over there. Nomads are actually desiring to go there for uh, inexpensive software developers. We looked at the Turkish market and and Colombian market actually. Uh, Bogota is doing amazing in in a surge of co-working spaces as well. So the whole world culture is kind of adapting into this new way of work, new way of thinking, new way of life lifestyle. So I I, I hope I didn't over answer your question. No, no, that's good. And it's interesting to see these up and coming places. Obviously, you as uh, an expert, you've built this in New York and now looking to expand. It's, it's cool to hear where you think is going to be like the next place to look into or focus on. Um, my final question to you, fellas, is that if people are listening to this podcast and they do think, oh, you know what? This is the type of life for me. I want to be a digital nomad. And that's another thing that I see a lot in the, the subreddit is people being like, how do I get into this lifestyle? What kind of work can I do? Or like, how would they even be able to get started? Andrew, would you be able to give us some of, some of our listeners advice on that? Like what advice would you have on how they can get started? And then Lucas, if you could share your thoughts. Definitely. So when you answer that question, I mainly think someone who's working a nine to five corporate office job and they, like myself, I used to see people on YouTube, on Instagram, where it's like that laptop beach lifestyle where I had the perception of like, okay, you could just work from laptop on the beach, make lots of money, and everything's all taken care of, life is perfect, where the proper expectations is something that's really important there. So pretty much the proper expectations is when I first quit my job and started traveling, I didn't know what to expect, where I had to cover health insurance and 
what Lucas said, the feeling of the comfort and the security, that's a very important thing. And making sure you're financially stable to do so, because there was a rough point in my business where I was backpacking through Manchester, UK, and I went to the ATM and I spent all my money while traveling. And it was, I was pretty much, I think it was down to like less than $47. And then the place oh. I stay, my backpack was thrown out on the street. And I hit like a rock bottom there where I had to recover from it and to prepare yourself emotionally. So looking back on my experiences is don't get caught in the dream of what it is 100%. Like that part is definitely there. But also make sure you understand about what to do with health insurance, what to do with your finances, make sure you have a secure cushion and really prepare yourself emotionally for the tough times that you go through. Because that was one example Another time I was traveling through Seattle and I didn't have health insurance and I had to go to the doctor six times through stress and anxiety. So I don't want to make it sound all negative because working through these things built me up stronger as a person where when life throws me those little obstacles that used to be big things in the past, it's something I could deal with. But in that instance is really understand that don't get rid of motivation and just really have the motivation and some type of security. Like if you're working a job in a remote job where you have that steady paycheck, steady income, and you start working from co-working spaces or different, that's a different part. But I know a lot of people who want to quit their jobs and they want to start, say, an internet business, get to a certain point and be more confident when you know what you're doing and have kind of like a safety net. I think that is something I wish I did when I first did it. What happened in Manchester? How'd you get out of that, that situation? Did you just like hustle? What did you do? I'm interested to hear how that story ends. Oh boy, this is a story gets interesting. So I built up a community of a small following online through my personal brand. And I sent out emails, uh -huh. newsletter, connected people on Skype, on Facebook. And I just sent out an email to most of my contacts saying, hey, everyone, I'm traveling through Europe. Is there anyone I could stay with for a couple of weeks? Because my flight back to the US from Madrid was pretty much cool. a, a month after that happened. Whoa. So I was in the... I was in the UK. Um, I actually met a girl on a dating app that night. We went on a date and then I stayed there for a week. No. And I was uh, <laughs> living off of cheap wine and ramen noodles. And after that, one of my friends responded to me. And it turns out uh, she lived in Amsterdam. So I just hustled for money, got $1,000 to come in, booked a flight to Amsterdam, stayed there, worked from her place, and then eventually flew back to Madrid and then back to the US, sold my parents for the holidays. And then just the following year, I just went in hustle mode to get things back on track. So, uh, yeah, I hit my worst fear where I ran out of money in a different part of the world, but it worked out pretty well. And, yeah, it's, it makes life interesting. Writing a book about the experience is kind of my way to share that story. Dude, that's an awesome story. That's, 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 an, uh, that's an awesome story, I had to say. That's, that's great, man. Well, you're still here. The rough patch is the biggest teacher. Uh, Lucas, what jobs would you say, Lucas, would be the best ones to get into? Like if a person was listening and they're like, right, okay, that sounds sounds like good advice. What kind of jobs could they get into, which would be the most conducive for living a digital nomad lifestyle? Oh, man, guys, we're living in a very, very exciting times. I mean, where your intellectual capability suppresses everything else, right? So if you want to learn about ad buying, if you want to learn about social media, you want to learn about software development, whatever you want to learn is accessible to you in the, in the tips of your finger, maybe $49 in a Linda account or, or any or Code Academy, wherever you want, whatever your imagine, imagination can take you, as long as it's accessible and information through a computer, you could go there. It's unlimited. So I don't want to kind of limit somebody by saying, hey, 
just go ahead and become a blogger. Hey, just go ahead and become this. Most of the jobs are converting. That requires you to have certain knowledge under under certain industries. Even my lawyer. I mean, I've I went through I guess like four different court court cases for four different matters. I never met my lawyer. I never seen him in person. You know, uh, my architects. I mean, they they drawing a twenty thousand twenty thousand square foot project. I didn't see him in person. It was this goal, Google Sheets, Google Docs. Anything, anything's been conducted. I mean, man, my employees. I haven't, I have employees I haven't seen maybe in six months. You know, be managing. So, uh, and they do various amount of jobs. You know, from uh, from community management to creating an events calendar. We got, we got, we got employees in Colombia actually that we hire who does uh, guerrilla marketing data scraping. I never met my financial analyst. I never seen her one one day while she's in Australia. Oh boy, isn't that a challenge when you have 14 hour difference, especially talking about numbers. So any almost any job almost qualified that doesn't require anything physical. So, I mean, figure out what you really like. Are you a left brain or a right brain? Are you artistic? I mean, do you want to do like markets research? You know, we're hiring somebody just 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 to do market research and design principles on different zip codes around the country to understand what is the expectations of that zip code will have on an office if you were to open up there and how much would it be? You know, can we get away with a cheap a cheap build out, cheaper build out? So, uh, having that said, don't limit yourself. If you think that you could be a minimalist and have a backpack and live and travel around the world and see the entire entirety of what you could experience, find a vertical that that's that's great for you and 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 execute on that and it doesn't have to be digital by the way i mean we're talking this is about digital nomads i have friends who are uh, massage therapists that travel the world and, and do that but how do they make their revenue they do facebook marketing adwords marketing they have a website they push clients um and then you know they they scrape twitter sometimes so it doesn't matter what you do as long as you could take your job with you and sometimes it's not digital yeah, in this day and age, it seems like creativity is your only um, restraint, I guess. Yeah, just trying to add to that as far as finding the vertical where when I said I hustled to get my way out of that, uh, the hole, it was pretty much I studied neurolinguistic programming, hypnosis, emotional violence, motivation. So by building up, say, a following and really specializing in one area and being known for something. So if someone needed more motivation or they went through stress in their business, that's where I kind of came in. So um, with our company now, we hire remote workers, whether it's there's members of the team, then there's agencies and then individuals. So Derek, he's our graphic designer. He did a free book cover for me years ago. And then every time we need graphic design work, we go to Derek. We've never met him in person. I believe he lives in Canada. So if you get really good at something and known for something and building on what you guys were saying, if it fits the need of some type of company that could hire you, then like Facebook ads, like every company I know, if you could drive sales and traffic to them, that's something, it doesn't matter where you live. And if you specialize in sales, email marketing, copywriting, all things like that, add value to other people, focus on what you could do for companies or individuals that they'll pay for and really specialize in one area. So we found the most people we hire are really good at one specific thing. That's good advice. Um, and on that note, thank you so much, gentlemen. If people do want to follow you or learn more about your work or keep up to date with what you're doing, how can they stay in touch? Andrew, do you have social media or websites? Yeah, my website, I have limitlessacademy.com where I just document all my business experience. So if people want to learn about finding a business idea, motivation, things like that. So limitlessacademy.com, I have an email newsletter people could sign up for and then a YouTube channel connected to that um, that people would follow. Awesome. And Lucas? Yeah, we've our co-working space is the Farm Soho. So if you want to utilize any of those spaces, you could just 
uh, log in there and we'll be more than happy to accommodate you. Um, I don't know which one I'll be at or where I'll be at or if I will be in the country at the time. But in order to get in touch with me, just put the Lucas email email in the front of the Farm Soho uh, instead of the info. So you don't go to the uh, the junk box usually because info, info is full of people who is who's trying to sell us something all the time. And and so the Lucas will be the, the, the L-U-C-A-S at the Farm Soho will be the email to get, get in touch with me. My social media right now is being managed by uh, our, our marketing staff in Colombia. Actually, I don't even know what I, I I don't even know what's going going out anymore. I have to probably uh, start managing that. But whatever is whatever they're doing, it's working out, especially on LinkedIn. Um, so don't LinkedIn message me because you won't be talking to me if that's the case. Uh, that's that's uh, that's a quick tip out there. Awesome. Well, Andrew, uh, best of luck in your travels and stay safe and have fun. And Lucas, uh, good luck with all your future endeavors in whatever country you do choose to expand into. Colombia is awesome. <laughs> it is indeed. I'm a big fan for that. That's my vote. <laughs> Thank you so much. And yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure having you on. All right. Take care, guys. Great. Thank you very much. Computer says lol. As promised, here is a comedian from 2001 giving advice on how to work for an IT help desk. Wes Borg! You must be the new uh, trainee? Yeah, hi. Yeah, welcome. Look, I'm uh, supposed to show you the ropes, I guess, so uh, welcome, uh, Internet Help Desk. It's a tough gig. Yeah. No, I figure you got four basic essential services in our society. You got your police, your fire, your ambulance, internet help desk. <laughs> you know, air traffic controllers claim they have the most stressful job. Ha! But I'll tell you, man, there is nothing that beats the adrenaline buzz of configuring some idiot's ADSL modem, even though he's running Windows 3.1 on a 386 with four megs of RAM, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just a second. Thank you for calling the Internet Help Desk. One of our trained technicians will be with you shortly. Please hold. Okay, so that's the first thing. The hold button is your best friend, okay? Always put the customer on hold right off the bat. Shows them who's boss. Thank you for holding. Your call is very important to us. Please hold. Take some of the fight out of them, you know? Which is important, because when they start telling you they don't know how to use a mouse or that they've been putting their coffee cup in their CD-ROM tray, and they start to realize what an idiot they are, they are going to be venting all over you, my friend. But don't worry. I'm here. I'm a vet. I'm a pro. Hell, I've been here eight months. <laughs> Which, you know, in Internet time is about 25 years. Uh, okay, thank you for holding. My name's Wes. How can I help you? Uh-huh. You can't get your email. Ooh, that does sound serious. Okay, well, um, can you be more specific? You can't. Okay, please hold. You can find a link to the full clip at sociable.co. Just visit the website and search Brains Bite Back to find the full article and links for each episode. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on YouTube or you can go to sociable.co to subscribe to our newsletter to constantly stay up to date. Have a great day. Take care. Bye.